I need to press continue with Edward, yeah. You do. Yeah. Yeah, and you agree that you're being recorded, so I can't sneakily tell everyone all your secrets. Not a problem. <laughs> so, good afternoon. Today I have Gary with me. Hi, Gary. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, okay. Well, my name is um, Gary Dobbs. Um, um, in terms of my writing, I started off writing westerns um, for a British publisher, uh, Robert Dale Limited, um, and these westerns were largely aimed at the library trade. Um, I did ten odd covers for those, um, and unfortunately, the company went um, out of business a couple of years ago. But the books are still in the library, and every now and then they bring me in some um, lending right money. So. That's a nice thing. I've also written um, non-fiction, and I still write non-fiction, mostly on subjects, um, history. I've done um, a couple of books on the First and Second World War, and I've also done a couple of uh, true crime books. Um, but at the moment, I'm concentrating more on, on the fiction side of crime. Um, I recently um, re-released a book which is uh, a book of mine you recently read, Down Among the Dead. And I'm currently working on a, a follow-up to that, which is provisionally titled. I think I'm going to stick with the title, because I don't know what it means, but I like the title. Um, and it's provisionally titled Listen to the Wind. So I'll try and work that in somehow so it makes sense, because I do like that title. <laughs> so. Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Um, yeah, it's something I've done since I was... Um, kid really um i can remember writing what i thought was my first book and i wish i still had it it, it was it was just um something i scribbled down in a school exercise book um years ago and we're going back because i'm i'm fairly aged now but we're going back to the mid 70s and there was a television program on um which i loved as a kid called the six million dollar man and um, it was the bionic man thing and um i kind of ripped that off and wrote my own version of it so I, w I wish I could. I wish I kept this. Probably thrown out because my mother threw it out because I wouldn't do my own work or something. But um, yeah, so I've always written in some way or other. And what gave yeah. you the push to go for it properly? Um, well, as I say, I've always written. I, I wrote um, over the years. I've had quite a few um, short stories or articles published in magazines. Um, Interzone magazine. I was published in you're talking twenty years ago. Uh, Fear magazine, Skellington Crew, sort of short stories. Um, and it was a chance meeting with a friend of mine who was writing Western novels um, because being British, and I never thought there was a market for Western novels. And he knew that I grew up with, with the Western genre. My grandfather loved watching old Western movies and he's kind of rubbed off on me. So he said to me, Why well, don't you try a Western? You know, and he went from there. And as soon as I um, got, I suppose, professionally published, I kind of started to look, it gave me a, a bit of um, confidence, I think, because I was actually being paid for this. So I thought, well, it's not just something, you know, that I'm doing for my own enjoyment, which is great. But getting paid just sort of gave me more confidence to branch out. So, you know, basically it came from that. What made you switch to crime? I've always liked um, crime novels. Um, I, I don't really get tied up in, in, in genre knots because if you take, let's go back to the Western for a minute, the Western can be anything. 
you know, the setting may, might have to be in, in America during what the period we call the Old West, but you get crime stories there, you, you can get horror stories there, you know. And I've always been interested in crime as a kid. I read a lot of Agatha Christie. Um, and over recent years, I've, I'm always reading, I like Mark Billingham, Ian Rankin, um, Michael Connolly. It's just so many, I tend to, I think, read and watch TV in, in the crime genre. So it's kind of an extension from the Westerns, really. It's, you know, it's all action and character, really. So, yeah. But yours are slightly different because they're set just after the start of World War Two. Yeah, um, that's the, the Frank Parade book. Um, I always lean more towards historical rather than current day because with current day you've got all this, you've got DNA, you've got um, electronic surveillance everywhere. Um, that's fine. I, I never I read some great books, you know, which, which is centered on DNA or, or, or surveillance and so forth. But it's not me. I prefer... I, I just got my image of, of the detective, whatever character I'm writing about, sort of having to, to do the, the trudging about. You know, it, it, it's all on his. I, I just prefer um, historical rather than contemporary. You know, it's um, on the war, it's a subject that I'm very interested in. Um, I've studied the Second World War, I've written several books on it, but it, what really gets me about that period is not so much. The, the order of the war itself and what was going on in the back, but what was going on on your own fronts in, in the different countries. You know, people were so resilient and it, it was an amazing time for all the, the, the horror and it's just people sort of really pull together and not, and not just in this country. I mean, you know, we, we, when we tend to look at the, at the war, we think um, the main enemy at that time were the German people and yet ordinary um, German people we're going through the exactly the same experiences that the British were, or the Americans, or Japanese, anyone else. You know, it was, it's, it's just an interesting backdrop to the to the detective story of the war going on. So, yeah, that's why I said they do in the early years of the Second World War. Yeah, I mean, I read a lot of crime, and there was something about it that made me want to get back to it if I had to put it down. And I think that was part of the reason because it was different but also because it wasn't science, it was people. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I loved it as you could probably tell from my review. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the war gave an interest in, it wasn't like the main thing, but it was there. So yeah, I like Small little aspects that I, I try and bring in into the book and, and uh, which I'll bring into the books going forward. Um, because as you say, the war is going on in the background, but it, it affects everyone daily life in so many different ways. Some of the, the things I found out, you know, it was the, the, like just driving a car in the street, you have to have um, uh, covers over your headlights. You know, and it, it, it's something that might not actually be important to the actual the book, but it, it adds colour. It, it brings the, the world to life, the period, so... Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't know that till I read your book. So that was, uh, yeah, I had no idea, but I suppose it makes sense when you think about it. But wow, smoking a cigarette outside could could get someone in trouble, you know, because um, a minuscule light of a cigarette. I don't know if it could or not, but the authorities claimed it could be seen by a, a, an enemy plane. So 
life was so different. It was, okay. And in some ways, even though you're writing is, is fairly recent history, but because of the, the differences in the, in, in the everyday way of life, it's almost an alien world you're writing about. And it just makes it more interesting for me. Yeah, well, it made it a great read as well, so it works. Oh, great. <laughs> um, out of all the books you've written, including your Westerns, do you have a favourite character? Um, I'll have to say Frank Parade because um, it's the character I'm working I mean, I've written the one book, Down Among the Dead, and I'm working on the second now. But I, so I'm still building the character. And I, I kind of try to make, give him a, a very dark sense of humour, very black sense of humour, because he's, he's got a lot of compassion. But I think because of the, the, the things he has to deal with day in, day out, um, that, that dark sense of humour will, will help him, you know? And, and he also sometimes questions himself because, um, for instance, um, the, the book Listen to the Wind will feature a lot of areas. Um, so a lot of people are killed in areas and yet he's got to investigate a single murder. And, you know, he's trying to find out why this person was killed when there's death happening all around him. And he's also questioning, does it really matter? And, and obviously it does because it, it war is war, murder is murder. But I, th I think that I try to, I try to make him as, as, as real as I can. So he questions everything. And I think all the best best crime fiction does do that. If you go to um, what's been very popular in recent years, the Nordic um, novels, they tend where we had um, the the Agatha Christie sort of school, if you like, where the murder was a great puzzle, um, and the characters were secondary to it. And, and the Agatha Christie was a wonderful writer, um, absolutely superb. But her characters, they, they just they were sort of ciphers. But I think the Nordic thing is brought character more and that's what I'm more interested in character rather than you know the puzzles so yeah he's a great character and as I said in my review there's that one one little thing that he does that tells you everything about what he is and who he is which you know I don't want to spoil it for people but well I mean it's in my review but yeah, yeah he was he, uh, he was fun and and that's great. Um, what's the most interesting thing you found researching your books? Um, most interesting thing. Uh, it, it's difficult to single any one thing out, but I think in terms of my crime novels and the setting, of, of the, what really interests me is the police force was so depleted. Um, they tended to be a lot of the older officers who weren't as fit, who, who stayed or weren't swallowed up with the armed forces. So it's kind of um, uh, almost a geriatric police force at the time, you know. But um, so it makes Frank Perez seem young and he's middle aged himself. So it, it just, I, I, I couldn't single out to one single thing really. But um, as I say, it's. Um, I think it's easier for me to get away with the odd mistake because if I do make a mistake about something, um, chances are people won't realize because it was so long ago, rather than if I made a mistake on police procedure in the current day. 
you know, you'd get someone saying, no, that's, that's not how it happened. So I think it gives me a little bit of scope. Hello, the research has got to be pretty much smack on. I think I've got a little bit of wiggle room. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, what was your most fun scene to write and what was the most difficult? Um, I like the scenes in, in, in Down Among the Dead where Parade was interacting with the German characters. Um, not to go into too much of the plot, but um, it, it's nothing to do with the, the central plot of the story, but there's a scene where a, a German plane is shot down during an air raid and there's several German Germans um, on the loose. Um, and when I was writing that, I, I felt it was very important for Parade to interact with them with, with the one German in particular as an equal, which is why I made the German a policeman. He, he talks about his street with Parade and he says that he was like him, he was a policeman before the war. So Parade looks upon him, yeah, he's an enemy, but he's an enemy by circumstances rather than anything else. So I, I, I enjoyed that. I liked, um, because these men were basically enemies, uh, the British and the German guys, so I have to keep it on that footing, but I also wanted to allow them to interact as well. And, and pray considered him not a criminal, but a prisoner of war. So, you know, and the, the roles could have been easily reversed if Parade had been in Germany. So, yeah, I think that was, um, that was an important scene. But the, the, the follow-up book I'm working on, um, Listen to the Wind, the central, that's got several plot elements to it, but there's a, a series of murders in it which are very much based on um, a real murder that happened here in South Wales um, in 1912, which I researched for one of my non-fiction books. Um, and I'm having a little bit of a problem um, with that aspect of the story, because I know what really happened. And it was in a, I did the background to it, um, so you can understand where I'm coming from, but it's basically a 15-year-old boy um, killed an eight-year-old girl in the early part of the century and um, he was arrested by the police but the people of, of the village wouldn't believe that one of their own could do such an horrendous thing and they considered it was a, a transient person and anyway he was taken to uh, court he was put in prison he was tried for murder and he was found not guilty simply because of the fact that they couldn't believe that a, a young boy could this is you know the early part of the century but nowadays you hear about things like that but when he was released from prison, um, the, the village was trimmed up um, with bent things as if he was a warrior or returning home because the aspect that normal people looked at, it, it was as a man then. It was a working class environment. The police weren't really popular. So anyway, the village was trimmed up and to cut a long story short, a week later he killed another girl and he was captured red handed this time. So I've used that for the basic plot of the story. And that's kind of difficult to write because because it's readily based on real events, I need to be respectful to what happened. Oh, yeah, it was all hundred years ago, but it's still real people that you know it, it, you're concerned with. So, yeah. Um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Yeah, um, I've got quite uh, a few um, friends who write. Mark Dillingham, I, I regularly correspond with him. Um, but there's a lot of writers who, who are sort of largely unknown, like myself, I know. And um, a great thing was 
there was a series of books out when I was a kid, Westerns, brutal, um, sort of violent Westerns written by a chap who went by the name of George D. Gilman. Um, and I loved those when I was a kid. We'd, we'd get them from a local bookshop, you know, and all my friends in school would read them because they were so violent. They were totally unsuitable for children, but we loved them. And when I started, when I became published myself, and I, I found out who George Gilman was. He was a gentleman called Terry Arknett. He passed away um, just over a year ago. And I've been very friendly with him. And I I brought his books back into print via e-books, which, you know, it just gave me a kick to do that because I was such a fan as a friend, uh, as, a, as a child. So, yeah. But um, I've got a circle of writers that I, you know, sort of keep in touch with and we talk back and forth and swap ideas or whatever. So it's support, really. So, yeah. I've um I've interviewed Mark Bill and him and I've seen him a couple of times. He's a nutcase, but a nice one. <laughs> well, he did. He's done it all as an acting stand-up comedy, and um, yeah, and of course he, he's a um uh, probably <laughs> wants to be a rock star with his fun-loving criminals. So yeah, he's a he's a lovely chap, and he's yeah, he very generous with his time as well. Because when I I written to him, you know, and. Um, in the past, and he always answers. He always writes back, you know. So yeah, it's very nice guy. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and do you get much feedback from readers? Um, not as much as I'd like. Um, but yeah, I do get some. Um, you know, when people read your books, I think reviews are very important, especially with the publishing industry the way it's working now. Um, because when I started many years ago, there was no such thing as e-books or, or self-publishing, independent publishing, as they called it now, and, and it was known then as vanity publishing. It was kind of a dirty word. But things have changed a lot now, and, you know, over recent years, you've had books which are being considered vanity publishing, taken on the publishing industry, and a totally different genre to what I used to be 50 years ago. It was a perfect example. You know, it, it was in, in terms of of sales, it was a world beater. You know, and there's other writers that have done that as well. That's why I think things are changing. And yeah, it's, um, I'd like more feedback from readers, but so I, I just take what I can get, really. And, it, and it's literally when someone like yourself says, oh, I enjoyed this, I couldn't put it down, you know, because that's the only reason we write, really. You know, so, yeah. yeah. What's been your highlight so far since you started writing? Um, getting my f- first copy of my first book, which was the Western Tarnished Star. Um, that was published not under my own name. I used the name Jack Martin, which was my grandfather's name. Um, it was great to get our first book and to actually hold it in my hand. But every um, time a book comes out has been an highlight. But um, Few years back now, before the COVID crisis, I did a couple of um, talks in local hospitals to elderly people about my Western novels because it's kind of, um, it seems to be elderly men read Westerns, but it was great, you know, sort of just talking away um, about my books and, and about the period because I, I'm quite knowledgeable on that period um, just because it's always interested me. So, yeah, that was an highlight, definitely. It made me feel like I was. Um, some superstar right there, you know. So it's great. When you're editing your books, what's your most overused word or phrase? Uh, don't know, but I, I, 
I tend to alter speech a lot in the editing process because uh, when I'm on a, a flow in writing, I tend to um, write too slangy. Um, you know, the way we way we'd speak, and I, I think, you know, this is 1940, now we wouldn't use these slang phrases. So I tend to take a lot of slang out, but, but I do try and keep my dialogue not too regimented. I, I, I like it to be sort of as if you, you're someone in the street saying it. But yeah, I think slang mostly I've got to take out of, uh, out of books. And being Welsh, I tend to drop, drop my H's in speech. So um gives me a problem sometimes whether I should use the word A or am, you know, so I've got to really think about it. Stuff like that. <laughs> I'm from Bedfordshire, we drop our T's. Right, okay. Yeah, I realise I'm doing it and I've realised I sound really common, but I can't help it, especially yeah. if I get excited. <laughs> yeah, it's, only, it's only when you become conscious where you realise in, in normal speech you don't realise you're doing it, but yeah. But, it, but it's great, it's fast more colour, isn't it? You know, we've all got our own little quirks from the area we're from, our own different speech patterns, and it's great. Yeah, I didn't think I had an accent because, I mean, I don't really think I do but I went up north and someone's like yeah you do have an accent I was like oh okay the accent doesn't sound too um um pronounced to me but then I don't my accent probably sounds really deep Welsh too because I've got what's called a valley's accent and, and I can I can exaggerate and I can sort of talk like this which makes it even more Welsh but um my accents uh, you know they, they they're great because they as I say, it just adds colour to characters, but try writing in an accent, that's a difficult thing. Do you know, um, are you in contact with a lot of other Welsh writers, or are you just all over? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few of you. Yeah, all over, really. Um, I tend to um, talk to writers who are working in the same genre as me, as, as I am, and um, you know, because we just bump into each other online, talking with something, so we become friendly. So, but no, it's nowhere, not sort of localised to Wales, it's all over, really. Because I heard that the Welsh writers were going to try and oust the Scottish and the North East as the next big thing. <laughs> that would be good. Welsh noir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not? All the Welsh writers I know are amazing, so... You just need to get together and you could do it. I have faith. Well, it's not before time because, as we say, we've had the, the big Scottish movement and, and all, all, always the English have been at the forefront. So, yes, yeah, time for the Welsh. Taffy Noir, we could call it. <laughs> I, say, I want to take credit when that happens, okay? Definitely. <laughs> um, copyright the phrase. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Um, well, do you know, I'd have to say someone like Ian Fleming, not because, because I'm, because of, uh, of what he wrote, really. Um, I, although I did used to read the James Bond novels, but Fleming, I'd, I'd to describe as the Fleming sweep, and he could sometimes describe in great detail of food because yeah, there's a lot of snobbery in his books um because the bond was written as this sort of upper class kind of not really very like a romance but there was a lot of snobbery clothes with the clothes were described um 
that jewelry was wearing, it was a lot of like Fleming did in such a way that he just flew by. Um, and I've, yeah, I've heard it described as a Fleming sweep. He's, he's a fantastic writer. Um, if, if someone's only familiar with the, the, the James Bond movies, to go back and read the original Fleming novels would be a massive eye opener. I think, in terms of, of keeping the reader glued to the pages, very few people as good as Fleming. So, yeah, and also, I think he was a big part of my childhood. I loved those books when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, do you have any phobias and would you write about them? Um, I don't really have any phobias. Um, so I think I'd write about anything. I think the, the dark aspects of, of people's characters interest me. Um, and I hope that, you know, if I'm writing of, of a dark character, maybe dark because of the actions he's done, that I, that I could do it in a realistic way. Because I think that, I don't believe that something like um, evil as such would exist in any character. I think they've got to be pushed into them circumstances and perhaps they would become evil. But I, I'd like to really sort of bring that out in a realistic way then, you know, rather than A is a killer, B is a so-and-so. I, I think the psychological aspects, I think that's what I'm trying to say. That's, that'd be important to me. So but I don't think I'd be afraid of writing anything because of a phobia as such. I don't like English people doing it in the rugby when they beat us, but that's, that's probably my only phobia. Otherwise, I love English people. It's only doing it in the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's not my thing. I prefer football. Never yeah. understood rugby. No, it's a big, it's a big thing about in Wales, and um, every time England and Wales are playing, that's the big match, you know. And um, they, they're great. It's just banter, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my old, um, well, one of our old PE teachers and my head of house at school was a, a big Welshman, and yeah, we knew all about <laughs> rugby and everything. It was lovely though. Um, do you hide secret jokes or messages in your book? Um, not so much secret, but I do put in jokes in that someone who knows me would, would know about, or um, certain cultural in jokes, um, because I'm very aware of what's happening in pop culture. So I can't, I can't think of an example of one, but I tend to do that a lot, and sometimes I might steal a really well-known line from a film and pop that in the book knowing that some people are going to notice that it's just a little bit of humor i suppose <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah um as you have such an interest in westerns and in the world wars i'm interested to know if you're able to travel back in time where you would choose to go to would it be one of them or would it be somewhere completely different no, I think I would like to go back to um, the Western period or a Victorian era anyway. Um, so many things I'd like to great if you could just stand by and watch things happening, you know. But um, yeah, I think Victorian era really, whether it's Britain or America, is interesting. Yeah, popular choice. 
Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. I'd rather keep the modern uh, sanitary rules and medicine, etc. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy going back. No, the trick would be to take those with him. That'd be the trick. <laughs> yeah, well, then you could be rich, but you'd change the future, and then that's just causing problems. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you like to do in your free time? Um, I, I walk my dog a lot. I'm very into um, the countryside. Always have been. I mean, the area I was brought up is is a rural area, so the countryside has always been important to me. Um, and I also like history. So I, recently, I've been taking a lot of walks with my dog um, in local areas and sort of looking at signs of the of the past because I've started to learn more about local history um, as I've got older. So yeah, I think history, um, walking, and I kind of combine the two. That's probably my main interest. And a bit of a one of the um, David Attenborough, I suppose. <laughs> um, do you collect anything? <clears throat> books. I've got a massive collection of books. Um, every room in the house. Um, <laughs> I kind of collect pulpy paperbacks. Um, more than anything else, though. Um, uh, books from the 40s, 50s. Um, I've got a massive collection. So, yeah, I collect books on old, some old comics as well, but mostly books. Have you found since you became a writer that your signed book collection has grown quite a lot? Uh, signed book collection? Um, yeah, it has extended, but then it's difficult to tell if my books, are, uh, uh, my book collection is growing for any one reason because they keep piling up. I've always <laughs> books everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have this issue as well. <laughs> yeah, my wife's always complaining that I got too many books, but you can't have too many books. I mean, I've, I've got, I've, I've almost filled my Kindle up as well. So, oh, wow, <laughs> that's some going. <laughs> Um, do you find much time to read? Um, what do you like to read when you do? I, I tend to make time to read. Um, I, I was reading something by Stephen King a few years back. I think it was a book called On Writing. Um, and any writer I'd recommend reading now. But he was he was basically um, talking about how to read a lot. And he, the advice he gave basically was if he was, say, standing by a bus stand for 10 minutes, he'd rip the book out. You know, and he might only read two or three lines, and I tend to always do that now. I've always got my Kindle with me, so I'm always reading stuff I like to read. Um, I like Joe Nesbo, um, Ian Rankin, as I mentioned, and going through the Reavers books now in order, which I've never done before. Um, I, I, I read a hell of a lot, and a lot of non-fiction. Um, at the moment, I'm reading a very interesting book. by It's on my shelf by a guy called Donald Thomas. Um, and it's about the underworld during the Second World War. Um, that's very interesting. So, yeah, I'm always reading. <laughs> Are you looking to go to any of the literature events next year? Um, yeah, if we have any actual events next year, I'd like to go to, um, I'd like to go to Arrogate, um, the Crime Festival. Um, I, I haven't over recent years, but I've gone up to A on Way and Ross on Way a lot during the book festival. So, yeah, as soon as things are back to normal, I'd um, especially want to go to Arrogate. I've never, I see I'm probably dropping the H and I sound close. Yeah, it was Arrogate. But um, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to attend that festival. 
so that's one I'd highly recommend. I went for the first time this year and loved every second of it. And yeah. I got home on Sunday um, at about six o'clock. And by nine o'clock, I booked my hotel for next year because I knew that I wanted to go back. So, yeah. I go every every year over when the event is held. I'm reading about it online, you know, and what panels and what speakers have been at. Oh, I wish I was there. So, yeah, I'm going to make an effort to attend. Yeah, definitely do. And uh, poor Mark Billingham didn't get left alone the whole weekend. I noticed he always had someone talking to him. Right, okay. <laughs> but yeah it's great loved it and Harrogate's beautiful absolutely beautiful city so yeah, yeah. You go for a wonder or there are hills everywhere mind you so is Wales isn't it there's lots of hills yeah, yeah. Bedfordshire not so much it's quite flat <laughs> but mm. that was a shock to the system Russ your um, main interest in reading tends to be um, the crime genre does this I will read <coughs> anything but I don't I do seem to veer back to crime but I will I mean recently I think I've read a historical um, dystopian um, quite a few crime yeah I will read literally anything I'm not fussy right, okay. but um, I tend to have a lot of people asking me to read their books and I'm a lot of art teams, so generally I'm reading whatever someone asks me to read. Very rarely <laughs> do I look on my Kindle and go, oh, I want to read that. It's like, nope, you need to read this by this date, you need to read this one by this date. I'm like, okay, write that one. <laughs> I mean, you're becoming well known as a, as, a, as a reviewer and someone who does interviews, so that must be flattering to, to you. It is, yeah. It's, um, it is really nice, actually, yeah, it's sweet, so... Yeah, good job. I could read fast as well. <laughs> a book a day. Sometimes I have to because I have to review them. But yeah, it keeps me out of mischief and doing these as well. I am getting to talk to loads of lovely people. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um. So you said you're working on book two of your crime series, and then do you know what you're going to do after that? Um. I've got a commission to do another non-fiction book um, about the home front in the Second World War again, which I've got to uh, deliver by March next year. So I'm sort of sketching out alongside the, the, the book I'm working on. But I have um, got a rough plan for 10 of the Frank Perez books. I want to set write two books for every year of the war. So it'll take me right to 1945. And I got this sort of idea, although it's just is an idea at the moment, because I've, I've probably got the basic plots for the next two books, but, but then after that, I've just got general ideas of it. But I'd like the series to end as the war ends, so I don't know how I'm going to work that out. But um, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to do 10 books, um, because there's so much to write about um, regarding the war. And as I say, it's the own front that matters to me in and these books rather than the war itself. So, so many interesting things to explore. Music to my ears. I love it. I'd love to read 10 Frank Prey books. So, you know, no pressure now, but I want to read them. So you've got to write them. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll get them done. Um, the, 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 
the biggest thing I'll say about the Frank Parade books, what took me the longest, was getting the name of Frank Parade. Um, I couldn't, I was trying to think of a, of a name that, that sort of really rang with me. And when I came up with Frank Parade, my original idea was, yeah, that'd be great for a series of novels because I could call them something like Parade's Walk, Parade's Way, Parade's This. But um, that didn't work out. But I, I do like the name Frank Parade. I just think it's, um, it's, it's got a ring to it. You know, so that was probably the oddest thing to get a name I was happy with because I was thinking of all the famous Inspector Morse, um, Rebus, you know, and Parade's the name that appealed to me in the end. Yeah, it's cool. It works and it's memorable. So, yeah. Well, you may be pleased to know that I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. No, that's been um, great. I've enjoyed myself. It's been, um, it's been fun. And uh, when you've written another few, then I'll have you back and grill you some more and get my little red envelope of tricky questions out and ask you some of the, the nastier questions. <laughs> Good stuff. So would you just like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you if they'd like to and where they can get your books from? Right, um, a lot of my books, um, the Westerns are available online to purchase, but you can pick them up from any library really. Um, my non-fiction books, again, are available in bookshops, um, libraries, um, and there are digital versions online. Um, Down Among the Dead at the moment is available uh, paperback. Uh, digital and is a very good audiobook version read by um, a gentleman called Aubrey Parsons, and he's done a wonderful job. Um, so basically, just Google my name and you'll find links to um, you know, where, where the books are. Easy as that. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, same here, same here. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. So.